So I want to preface my message this morning uh, by saying that sometimes we forget that we know we do not belong to the world. Now I want to unpack that just a little bit as I begin today, and I've continued to go back and look at some of the early ideas and thoughts about these first-generation Christians, and I've been intrigued by the fact that they were not called Christians, but they were called people of the way, and they and they lived in a way that made them stand out. Now, one of the things I've gone back to read this week are the epistles, uh, and in the book of Hebrews, the epistle, the, the letter to the Hebrews, the author reminds these early Christians that because they follow Christ, they were strangers and foreigners on the earth. Now, the idea here is that um, even though we, we live in this place and we're fully engaged here, we don't belong here. That as long as we're followers of Christ, we are passers through, we are sojourners, and that we're on our way to our ultimate destination. Now, one of the other writings of that era reminded folks that we're not bound by ethnicity, we're not bound by earthly citizenship, but we're bound by the Gospels. We're bound to a way of life that can often be at odds to the ways and the ideas and expectations of the world. We may look like everyone else, we might fit in, we may pay taxes like everyone else, but first and foremost, we are people of Christ's ways, and our lives ought to distinguish us because of that. Now, last week I offered that one of those distinctions is hospitality and that the church has always been at its best and it continues to be at its best when we are a place of hospitality and welcome in what can sometimes be in this a very um, unwelcoming world, inhospitable at times even. And Jesus said the same thing. He, on the night that he was to be arrested and the and sentenced to hang on the cross, Jesus is praying for us. He's, he's praying for his disciples, and he says, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, God. I'm asking you to protect them from the evil one. And he went on to say, they do not belong to the world, just as I do not belong to the world. Now, this is a powerful statement, actually, because Jesus is identifying himself as not from this place. And he identifies us as not being from this place. And in that way that we find our relationship with one another is fellow sojourners. And I think this message is important because um, those of us who follow Christ are often at risk of forgetting that we don't belong here. Rome is a good example. Rome, by the end of Constantine's reign, well, it was uh, it become a Christian nation that Christianity had moved from the underground to the mainstream. Um, many began to see themselves less as sojourners or pastors through, and many believed that Rome had become the city of God and that God's earthly kingdom had come and take root right here on earth. And this was in, in great contrast to early thinking. And this idea of being people of way was dissolving into something different it was being replaced by a new era of Christians who identified um, primarily in the world and God's kingdom being here. But as we know, Rome's great power passes on into the history books and things change dramatically, but people despaired. And so people like St. Augustine came along and, 
began to remind us, oh, we've never been from this place. We've always been sojourners. And these kind of voices begin to call us back to a way of loving God and neighbors that perhaps we were forgetting. They call us back to see that we were resident aliens. And I think these voices have something to say to us today. Our faith story is full of examples of being called back from being people of the world. Time and again, God's kingdom calls us away from being people of the world and towards God's kingdom of love and hospitality and being different than the world. So when we look around ourselves and we see uh, kingdoms and powers rising and falling, succeeding or failing, we're wise to remember that that is no indication of how God's kingdom is rising or failing, that God's kingdom is well in hand. And if that message resonates with you as it has for me this week, I pray that it offers us a, a, offers us a moment of hope, um, a moment of remembering of who and whose we are and, and a way of calling us back. Now, Nathaniel. Nathaniel was someone who was thinking in, in the ways of the world, in the powers of the world. Uh, his preconceptions and his uh, doubts that Jesus could be the Messiah were based on where Jesus came from. For Nathaniel, in no way could the Messiah come from Nazareth. Now, Nathaniel was a faithful person, as far as we know. He had long prayed for and desired um, for the Messiah to come, and he wanted Jerusalem to become something better than it was. And him sitting under the fig tree is kind of symbolic of that. He was hoping for a new King David, like many were. But what was it about Nazareth? Well, we don't know much of anything about Nazareth. It was a small town that wasn't very impressive. No one wrote a history about it. We know that Jesus preached his first sermon there, and, and he challenged them to see that they were not living into their call and what God had hoped them to be. And so they get angry, and they're ready to throw them off a cliff. So maybe Nathaniel knew that these folks weren't always nice. I don't know. But whatever it was that caused Nathaniel to look down on Jesus and the place he came from was his preconceptions. He represents, I believe, any one of us who struggle to see that earthly powers are not always direct reflections of God's desires or God's heavenly realm. And I think that what we begin to see here, what a foreshadowing, if you will, here, is that God is always lifting up. God is always honoring it and calling people, ordinary people from otherwise insignificant places. Call God's people back into create community. Now, Nathaniel seems to be impressed when Jesus walks up because Jesus says to him that he saw him under a fig tree before anyone else was around. Nathaniel thinks, wow, you must be from God if you can do something like that. But Jesus says, well, if, if that little trick impresses you, you haven't seen anything yet. If you'll follow me, you'll come and see what I'm going to show you. Now, was Jesus talking about impressing him by walking on water or turning water into wine or, or things like that? Maybe. And maybe that's what you and I think of. But I have a feeling what Jesus was really focused on here and thinking about was Nathaniel you're about to really see who belongs in God's kingdom. 
you're not going to believe where people are going to come from and lead us into God's kingdom. Pretty soon, Nathaniel, you're going to see the breadth and the depth, the rising and the falling, if you will, of God's kingdom. And wait until you see who really belongs there. Now, this is prefaced, this prefaces the fact that Jesus is in this moment putting a new team together. He's calling his disciples to follow him. And he's going to call people like tax collectors, um, who are the worst of the worst. He's going to call fishermen. He's going to call sinners and outcasts uh, to reveal the kingdom to the world. Not one of these people will truly sit in places of earthly authority. None of them hold office and none of them have religious degrees. He's about to preach sermons saying that such people will enter the kingdom first and that the rest of us should honor them with hospitality and love and acceptance. Jesus is about to enter into Jerusalem on a donkey where those with earthly power will sit in seats of power that condemn him to a cross. John makes it clear that the ways and the ideas of the world are often in conflict with the ideas of God's kingdom. Today we're given a chance to begin to see and remember who and whose we are and to choose where we will reside. And sometimes as I begin this morning to say, we lose sight of this and we can place too much of our trust and hope in the world, but we still know who we are. And one of the things that we can lean on to is that we can always remember we are and where we're from. Now, maybe if we look around these days, it can seem like everything's come crumbling down around us. And maybe in our own personal lives, we've experienced those times and those days and those seasons where it feels like everything within us and, and around our immediate lives are, are crumbling down. And, and maybe in those times, we, we see the remnants and the stones of what life used to be and we wonder who can put this back together again. And as soon as I say that, I remember a story where Jesus is with his disciples and he looks down on the temple in Jerusalem and he tells them, you know, there's not a stone of that that's going to be left standing soon. It's coming down. And they're amazed by that. And we ought to be because that was kind of a crazy idea to think that he could tear that place down. But the amazing thing is what he said following that. Right after that, he said, and in three days, I'm going to build it back up. Now, he wasn't talking about actual stones. And today, that temple, it still lies in ruins. What Jesus is talking about are lives. He's talking about people. He's talking about everything around you that you see crumbling. I'm going to build that back up. And Jesus has the ability to build up with redemption. He has a the ability to restore with grace and forgiveness. Yes, that rebuilding sometimes is hard work. Sometimes it, it means that we face hard truths. Sometimes it means that we um, have to hit rock bottom before things get better. But we will, if we have courage and humility, we will remember that to love and to be foreigners is to see ourselves aligned with Christ. Yes, there are a lot of, of signs that things are not going well in our world. It, you might say there's a lot of stones lying around these days. 
And some of them we're going to need to pick back up soon. And some of them would probably better just leave them right where they are. So maybe as we look at our world today, we're tempted to, to think a little bit like Nathaniel thought of Jesus and, and look at this world and say, man, can anything good come from this place? Can any, anybody good come from this world any longer? We have an answer. And that answer is yes, it can. What do you see? Once came across a poem. Uh, it was inspired by the words by Saint Exupery, who himself once wrote, a rock pile ceases to be a rock pile the moment a single person contemplates it, bearing within him the image of a cathedral. Now, of course, Exupery was not talking about actual cathedrals or stones. He was talking about people. He was talking about the value of building one another up with our perceptions. And the poem I found says this. When you look in the mirror, do you see someone worth dying for? When you look around the sanctuary or into the world, do you see people worth dying for? That's how God sees us. Our true value is immeasurable. Our true potential, unfathomable. It's not about simple optimism or freedom from all critical judgments. It's about holy eyesight. It's about a whole new way of life. To live with holy eyesight is to have the eyes of Christ. Is to first see ourselves as priceless creations, endowed with goodness, and called to a holy vocation, then to see our neighbors in the same way. God's invitation in Christ is to see ourselves and our neighbors as God does. First, as valuable and priceless, not as rocks, but as cathedrals and process. Now, I feel like these words can help us see what happens when we see more clearly who we are and where we're from. And to what extent we do not belong to this world, but we belong to God. And so what happens? What happens is we start to rebuild. We begin to see lives turned around. And in the face of what it feels like all worlds crashing down, the body of Christ is a place that becomes a beautiful cathedral. We become beacons of God's loving grace. And we become those who remember to live all the ways of peace and to know that Christ is with us and that we are Christ's light in the world. And that's what makes us people of the way. Thanks be to God. Amen.